0: We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership. It's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John O'White. Or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult. And, and I just wanna find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is John Geis. John is the principal of Shelby Senior High School in Ohio. Welcome to the podcast, John.
1: Thank you, John. Oh, it's uh, my pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you, John, and to find out a bit about your story. First of all, can you tell our listeners who, who there, there are a lot of educators who listen, but also a lot of leaders outside of education. Tell us a bit about your school and a bit about what you do.
1: Okay, well, this is my um, 16th year as the principal here at Shelby High School. Uh, we are a school of about 500 students in our building and we have another about 130 students at a local vocational school. So we're, we're right around, you know, 640 or so students. Uh, good, good size, uh, about a medium-sized school in Ohio. Um, and I, I actually graduated from Shelby. This is my hometown. So it's been, um, it's been good to come back and, and, uh, and be here and, and give back to the community here at Shelby.
0: Yeah, that's incredible that you actually graduated from there. Uh, I didn't know that. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Um, well, let's find out a bit more about your story. That's a good segue. Uh, <laughs> to start with, if we go back to your childhood, John, when, when you were growing up, what were some of the moments, some of the themes maybe from, from that time of your life that really shaped you to become the person and the leader you are today?
1: Well, I think I'd probably look at a couple of things. Uh, first, I am the uh, second oldest of six kids and my dad worked midnights at a uh, factory here in town. And so he slept a lot during the day and my mom didn't drive. So <laughs> if we wanted to go somewhere, we walked or rode our bikes or you know got rides with friends or those things until we got old enough to uh, to drive finally then and we could do a few things. But with that, with, with so many, um, so many brothers and sisters, um, we each took some different roles and, um, I kind of, and I'm not sure how it kind of morphed into that, but I seemed to have, uh, uh, taken on some of the things to make sure everything was, everybody was okay and helping mom out with just some different things. And then, uh, as I got older, uh, helping dad out with, uh, with some of the driving and uh, running around some of my brothers and sisters. Uh, we played, there was a story in the local newspaper one time when uh, there were four boys and we all four played little league baseball at different fields in town. And so getting there was, uh, was always a journey of uh, who, what's, how was mom and dad going to get us to the games and which ones were they going to go see? Um, so it was always busy but it was there were always things to get done, and I always tried to make sure things got done. And I'm not sure if that's just like a, you know, a personality, you know, trait of mine, or just uh, something that just kind of developed. I also think that um, even though I'm a uh, public high school uh, principal and a big believer in public high school, I went to a Catholic elementary school, and I think that um, that background of my faith has uh, has helped me also to try and uh uh, it influences i guess on what i do and how you do things and um Mm. just making sure you do the right thing and i think some of that has been reinforced as i've gone through um you know teaching going through college going to teaching and then moving into the administrative role
0: yeah absolutely uh no thank you thank you for sharing that so Mm. as as you look back Mm. at that sort of season of your life do you remember some of the first leadership opportunities you had john where where you think back to leading a project or um managing a group of people or your first chance to really own own something um and and cast vision for something what were some of your early leadership opportunities
1: I think a lot of that in going through high school, just being in, working in groups and always kind of uh, trying to take charge on some things there in uh, in different groups we had in class, uh, different sports teams that I was on. I was the captain of the track team, one of the two captains of the track team my senior year. Um, and so you just you try to lead, you know, by example, uh, try to get people to see, you know, what you really are made of and uh, and that you know, what uh, the value of hard work and and just continuing to work, you know, push through some adversity and work through some things. So I think that was a big thing. Um, Went through college and just doing some different organizations in college and taking on some roles there where I kind of helped, you know, lead those groups Um, after college, didn't get a teaching job right away. So I took on a job as assistant manager at a uh, sporting goods store. So that was really the first time of being kind of a a leader to other people um, and a job opportunity. Mm. And that worked. It worked very well. And it was, you know, it was a little overwhelming at first. But then you just try and, you know, you you, you do the things that you've been taught and that you've been trained. And uh, and I think the biggest thing is if uh, I always try and focus on how you treat people. Uh, and I think if you treat mm. people the right way, then it tends to, uh, it tends to help you out in a lot of things. So that was kind of the the journey coming through when I went into teaching. Um, I taught social studies for 10 years and I was a coach. Um, I was assistant coach, then I became a head track coach. So I think that helped me as far as organizational things and planning and, um, just trying to motivate, you know, young men into becoming, uh, better athletes and better people, um, kind of morphed into, you know, trying to figure out, I I went back and forth on whether to become a uh, guidance counselor or go into administration and, um, Mm. decided on administration. So spent a couple of years getting my master's degree and earning that, uh, my administrative degree. Um, and just kind of led into a, my goal was 10 years in the classroom and then, move into an assistant principal role. And that's what I did. I did 10 years in the classroom at uh, a couple of different schools, and then moved into an assistant principal role, Um, had the opportunity to come back to Shelby as an assistant principal, and worked with um, a guy who I just thought the world of. And um, he was the principal at the time. And unfortunately, he passed away of cancer during the year. And that yeah. was a tough time because I then kind of took over as the interim principal and then I've been the principal ever since. So it's been kind of a, a journey and um a lot yeah. of things have happened, but I'm not so sure there's, I can point at like one particular thing that kind
0: of happened. that got me going on that path. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank, thank you for sharing um, some of the, some of the that journey. Was a, that was and, a lot of uh, things.
1: There's a lot there. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's great, John. And, um, that is something I've found in the podcast is that it's never linear. You know, it, it's never quite. Uh, mm. th- there's always there's always these interesting um, twists and turns when people w- when we don't think we're ready, and then a role comes uh, and we step into it, or we we think yeah. we're ready and we step into it and go, "Oh wow, okay, maybe I maybe I wasn't ready." But are you ever ready? <laughs> it's um, that's that's leadership. Yeah. I, I think a lot of the time, um, I, I'm interested to know. In that first job where you were, where you had your first chance to manage people, what were your biggest leadership lessons from that time? Because that must have been like swimming in the deep end a little bit.
1: It was. um, So I'm the assistant manager at a um, sporting goods store at this mall in Ohio, in southern Ohio, and uh, most of the employees were high school students. So I'm not a, you know, there might be four to five years age difference in us. And here I am trying to make sure that, you know, things were getting done. And and really these people were kind of like my friends too. I mean, we would go out uh, and, and we played softball together. We did some different things together outside of the store. So now, which was which was one realm, and now when you're in when you're at work, you have to be their boss and make sure that everything gets done. Make sure that they're treating the customers the right way. Make sure that you know the store is getting clean and stock, The shelves are being stocked, and um, so that was a um, uh, that was a good experience. I can I can still remember the first night because it was a training period and the first night that I was left alone and had to close by myself. And I just remember, you know, looking around the store and you just kind of take a deep breath. and like, okay, I I got this. We can do this. And you just dive right in and and your training comes in and you just go back to the things that have helped you get to that point. And, um, and it went well. I mean, things went well and we had a good, uh, it was a good run. It was a good job to have. And it was a good, I think training for me to kind of help get me ready for the classroom actually and to become a teacher as much as I really would have wanted to be teaching right out of college. And that first teaching job, um, it probably helped me a little bit doing this job instead of being right into the classroom.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, what about sporting leading sporting teams, like you mentioned, um, what what did you learn from those sort of roles that stuck with you? Now you know, leading um, uh, a, a public school, a public high school. What what lessons have you learned from leading in a sporting context? Yeah, you mean as a, as a
1: coach when I was coaching.
0: Oh, also when you were the captain um, of sporting teams growing up as well. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think what you see is that there are people of. All different kinds of walks and all different kinds of levels. Um, There are people who were on our team that they were out there for the um, just to have some fun, to be part of the team. Um, They knew that they weren't going to be real successful. They were okay with that, and they just wanted to be on there. Then you had people who, you know, who thought they were better than what they really were, and so you had to deal with that kind of uh, uh, that kind of situation. And then you had people who. Um, weren't doing as well as they could. And you know they had the potential. You just had to keep, keep pushing them and, and keep getting them to the point where they can, they can do better. And really that's, that's being a high school principal too. I mean, you have, you have teachers who uh, are young and they have to, to learn the skill and that art and science of teaching. And so you keep pushing them and you work with them. You have veteran teachers that you want to have them continue to get better, not just kind of coast a little bit. Um, you, have, you have people just in all different areas and all different walks of life. And it, it, uh, I think it, it just comes back to how do, you, how do you learn to deal with those people uh, and where they are and still try to make them better. And I think the difference between being a high school principal and being, let's say, like a, the captain of a track team was, in the end, as a high school principal, it's our students who are going to benefit from that. So if, if we can get our teachers to be as strong and as good as they can be, our students then are going to be as strong and, and better. And uh, so like the stakes are a little higher now, um, but the, the strategies and the skills that you use are the same strategies and skills that we used, you know, way back when my senior year in high school.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, I like the way you, you put that. It definitely is a case of um, what I like about what you said is, is really trying to understand the motivation um, of different people on your team and why they're there. And and the more you can really step into their shoes and understand why they're there, what they want to get out of it. That makes everything so much, so much easier. Yeah,
1: it really is. Um, you know, you, you do have to figure out where everybody is um, and mm. where they're coming from. And and one of the things that I've, I've kind of really learned along the way, too, is that when somebody's upset about something, what they tell you they're upset about is rarely the real root of the problem. <laughs> you have to ask a little bit more and find out a few more questions and you find out like, okay, now I know why you're upset. This is just the, what we're seeing on the surface, but it's a, usually a little more deeply rooted than that. And I think that just comes with um, just experience. I mean, it just comes with mm-hmm. years of working with people and, and, and talking to them and, and actually listening to them too. Uh, and really trying to figure it out. If we have an uh, if I have an upset parent, uh, it's, it's usually the reason they're upset is, is not what they're telling you. You have to figure it out. Go a little deeper and figure <laughs> that
0: out. How, how do you do that?
1: Well, um, one of the things that I try to do is really get to know the students, and I'm, I'm very fortunate being in a school of 500 versus being in a school of where there's 500 in a graduating class. You know, I can get to know my students a little bit more. Uh, I try and get out and about and try and talk to a lot of people. Um, I don't like to get blindsided, so if there's an issue, I kind of try and figure that out ahead of time, um, but there are times where, you know, someone will come in and I haven't, I didn't know this was a problem, and you have to kind of work through that. But the biggest thing is you have to do is really listen to them, and um, and and just keep asking them some questions because um, what they say is usually there's another cause somewhere underneath it, and it's just a matter of digging down and and having a conversation. And but Hmm. part of that is if they're upset, you can't get mad back at them. You can't get upset. I mean, it just You know, you get people to I heard this one time uh, someone said you got to get people to to act with their brain instead of their emotion. And when they're acting with their emotion, Mm. you really aren't going to get very far. And so it's getting somebody, you know, calm down and um, and really just Mm. listening to them and asking them some questions and being kind of empathetic. And then in the end, you try and get them. There may be a time where you know we're we're not going to agree on on the situation, but at least we've got to a point where we both have said our piece and where we're coming from, and we can kind of understand each other. So they they all agree to disagree. Sometimes is your best. Yeah. Is is your that's your win. I mean that's your situation. What you end up with, but you try mm. and really work through some things and listen a lot. I mean that really does, and it takes a lot of experience doing that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in your career so far, John, uh, interested to know who are some of the mentors or who are some of the leaders that you've watched and just really, they, they've, uh, had a big um, influence on you and how you lead. You've, you've seen them navigate, uh, tricky situations, or you've just seen them lead what well, leading a school is a tricky situation in itself. I think it's a pretty, um, pretty tough gig to tell you the truth. I, th- I think it's a, a challenge, um, uh, educational leadership who are some of the mentors and, and leaders you you've admired along the way?
1: Well, it's, yeah, it's definitely can be a tough, uh, tough job. A lot of days. My, um, I, I guess I start out, um, when I was, um, in elementary school, uh, my sixth grade year, we had had for various reasons. We didn't, I mean, it was just a number of teachers. It was like a revolving door. People kept coming in and leaving and, um, and, And we were a pretty close group. There was about 32 of us, I think, or 33 of us. And the unfortunate thing when you're a fifth grader, not having, a, you know, we were kind of, our sixth grader, I guess it was, we were kind of rudderless. I mean, we were just kind of going different places and we were starting to act like ways we didn't normally act or things we shouldn't do. And so we moved to seventh grade and we had a teacher named Keith Schmidt was our seven, my seventh grade teacher. And uh, I always liked history. And he was our social studies teacher. And he got us kind of back on the right path. And he really took a, a liking to our group and got involved with us. He was our Boy Scout leader. Um, he collected stamps. He was doing some things. He uh, kind of helped get us involved in that. He gave me a lot of books to read because I love to read. And um, I could just see like his love of history and, and how good of a teacher he was. I knew then that I was going to be a social studies teacher. I mean, it was that was it. It was decided. Um, and so when I went through school, wow. I tried to, um, the rest of my years of school then, I tried to really watch what I thought were the good teachers. And I thought, what are they doing that, that makes them a good teacher? And so you, you're kind of making mental notes along the way. And you remember some of the things that, you know, how they treat people, Activities we did in class, those kind of things, Um, and then um, going into um, teaching, my first year there was a a guy that I we would drive with. We had about an hour drive uh, every day to school. My first three years, and um, he and I drove together every day, and we just really talked things through about you know about kids and about situations and and um, how he dealt with things so that was very helpful just to kind of bounce that off of somebody Um, then when i started my administration path um, i had to do an internship and um, the guy who was dave jones who was the principal before me i was i was teaching here at shelby for one year and uh, i did my internship with him and i remember he sat down and said okay we'll make this as you know you'll get out of it what you put into it and what do you want to do? And I wanted to do everything and I wanted to really learn. And he gave me a number of tasks and just said, here's what you do. And we talked through situations. And, um, it was just a really, really good experience. And it was a tough year. My, um, I was, I was teaching in a block schedule for the first time. I'm doing my internship. Uh, we had had our third child that year. I mean, I'm not sure I slept much that year. Uh, but then, um, so I get my first assistant principal job and then Dave calls me one day says, Hey, I I have an assistant principal opening. I want you to come back and be my assistant principal. So for two and a half years, I got to work with him and it was, it was amazing. I mean, cause he really taught me, uh, I mean, he was funny. He just taught you how to, how you treat people. Um, and I always remember him saying, if you just do things the right way, do what's right. That's, that's the number one thing. And then things will usually work out. Uh, And so I've really taken that to heart. And I try and I remember those words and I think I repeat them every day in my, in my head too. Um, But Dave was a great mentor. And like I said, unfortunately Thanksgiving, we come back from Thanksgiving break, he calls me in and he says, Hey, the doctors think I've lung cancer and he was Mm. gone in February and it was a quick, uh, it was a very quick, turn around and all of a sudden, you know, we had had a, um, in our district, we'd had a student pass away from cancer. We had uh, a uh-huh. teacher at the elementary, the elementary schools pass away, do another disease. And then Dave passes away of cancer. And it felt like the hits just kept coming. And I remember yeah. thinking, how in the world am I going to get through this? Um, and I just remembered what he said and just do things the right way. And so, you lean on the people around you, and uh, we made it through that year. But it was, uh, it was a tough, tough year.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that, John. Um, mm-hmm. That's just—I uh, can hear the. You know, I, I work with I work with a lot of schools, and I, I think it's a um, it's a unique community, a school. And when you lose mm-hmm. one person in a school, oh, it's. Awesome just that yeah just the ripple effects of how it affects all different um kids parents and so to lose three across that's just um yeah yeah i mean i know you said that you really lent on that advice um how did you get through that what what did you learn from that year about leading an organization through grief i guess so what did you learn through that
1: yeah well i knew that they, i had people on staff that that um, the other teachers really respected, and I knew that I was going to have to have them help me. Um, and so I would talk to them, and I would run things by them, like, "What do you think we should do here?" Or, and I'd have some ideas, and we just really um, kind of leaned on each other to get through that year. And um, and the idea was, we still have to keep moving forward, you know, and we still have to keep going. And what's the best way to do that? And, um, you know, everybody grieved in a different way. And, um, I'm telling you, there were tough. There were days I'd come in shut the door and just, it took me a good hour before I could go back out and be among the kids. And then there's other days you're in there and you just, you just go. I mean, so you have to kind of work through the process, but the biggest thing I learned that year was you can't do it by yourself. There is just no way this job will kill you if you try and do it you know, all by yourself. And so mm-hmm. you find your work, but part of this being a school administrator, part of your job is to groom st- other teachers to become mm-hmm. administrators, because if we need, we need more leaders. I mean, I'm not going to be doing it. I've been doing this for a long time, but I'm not going to be doing it forever. So you want good people to follow behind you. And so you have to give people opportunities to, to put into practice, the things that you want them to do. And uh, we talk about that a lot with kids too. Um, You know, we talk about, for instance, I have a welcome thing in the athletic program uh, Mm. in all of our sports. And I always put that athletics gives our kids the opportunity to put into practice the things we want them to do. You know, we want them to treat others with respect, to work hard, to be part of a team, to, you know, overcome adversity and what better than athletics to do that. And, and so they, they're going to fail and that's okay. Uh, but you want them to, to, to keep going and push through that. And so that's part of the whole process is just making sure that you give people an opportunity to help you. Um, and Mm. you know, sometimes you really got to listen to them and, and surround yourself with people that, aren't just going to tell you, you know, what you want to hear. I have a guidance counselor that she's not afraid to tell me things that I need to hear. And it's not always pleasant to hear them, but I need her, I need her to do that. And, um, and so you really have to have people around you. And that's the great thing about being an education though, is you have people all around you, you know, you just got to make sure you use them the right way.
0: How have you, um, uh, because that's something that I hear a lot of leaders uh, struggle with, and I know I've struggled with it myself. How do you foster that authentic um, feedback? How have you, how have you fostered that where you've created that relationship where, say, your guidance counselor feels comfortable to tell you um, what she really thinks, how she really feels?
1: Well, yeah, it it, it takes a little doing. Um, you have to be able to give them; they have to. The biggest thing is people have to know that you're genuine. So when, I, when I'm giving praise, I'm giving specific praise and you got to give praise. And when I'm giving criticism, I'm giving opportunities or some ideas of things that people can do to kind of help out or to get better. And you have to really do that back and forth. And you got to be willing to tell other people too. And, and this is probably the hardest part of this job is that you have to tell people sometimes like hey listen this is not working you can't keep doing this you got to do something else whether that be a student or a teacher um you know it's difficult because they look to you like you have all of the ideas and i don't have all the answers i just know that what we're doing now isn't working let's see if we can figure out a way you know to get there and when you involve people in the process when you involve people um in your Solutions, then I think then that that gives people the opportunity and the strength to say, okay, hey, we we're not doing what you said we need to do. We've got to get better. And if I don't listen to them, then I'm not being real genuine with what I'm saying. I want us to do like the path I want us to go on, and they'll stop giving me that that advice because they know it's not making a difference. So. It's uh, you, you're making yourself vulnerable, um, but you have to mm. build that relationship with where you give people the the strength and the and the ability to to showcase their strengths, and then you have to be willing to listen to it sometimes too and make some changes, and that's not easy all the time. Um, mm. But you know, it, it, I think when you do that, and when if I can stand up in front of my staff and say, "Look, this is what we tried." this was wrong. This didn't work. We got to stop doing this and we got to try something else. Then I think then that they're more willing to say, okay, let's see. We can come up with a better idea. Um, if for me to just, you know, the old thing, you know, the horse is dead, quit beating it. You got to get off the horse. If you keep doing that, beating the dead horse, then they're just going to, they're not going to respect you as a leader. They're not going to see you as kind of a visionary and they're not going to, come to you anymore and, and give you some advice or give us their input. Um, you have to be able to listen to them and, and, and take what they say to heart sometimes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, well, well said, John, I want to, want to ask you a little bit. Uh, I, I love asking people about their mentors and, and I hope this is okay. Mm-hmm. I just love to hear stories of wonderful leadership from people that have really um, influenced you. So I would, I would love to ask you to, to have a think um, about how obviously Dave had such a, uh, an impact on you yeah. as a wonderful mm-hmm. leader. Are there any stories that come to mind of how he handled things? There's that wonderful quote you've already mentioned about doing the right thing and, and things will work out. But any, um, any stories of, of how you watched him lead that have really stuck with you and, and uh, come to mind at the moment?
1: Well, he had just a, a, a great uh, sense of humor um, and he would use that sense of humor all the time. It was real dry, but it would just you, everybody just laughed around him. And he was always he was generally in a good mood. Um, but there were times that when he needed to be stern, he when he when he got to that voice or that look, you just knew like, oh, I better uh, I better listen to him. Um, he was a uh, one, one story about Dave. He was a uh, very renowned football official here in Ohio, and at the college level and at the high school level, and he got picked to be the uh, the referee for a football all star game between the Ohio the best the best football players in Ohio and the best football players in Pennsylvania called the Big Thirty Three. So he's he's the head referee, and there were some issues going on in the game. I right? think some, some little scuffle broke out during the game. And this is on TV. I mean, we're watching this game on TV. And the coach for Pennsylvania is a guy named George Chomp. He used to be a head, He used to be a, one of the assistant coaches at Ohio State. He was a coach at Navy. I mean, he was a big, big name. And uh, the Pennsylvania players weren't doing something very well. And, and the camera, and we all knew that look that Dave had. I mean, it was one of those, I mean, he gave you that look, you knew. And he always used two fingers when he waved you, when he waved towards you. And uh, he he all of a sudden the camera cuts to him and he's looking over at George Chomp on the Pennsylvania sideline. And he gave him that look. And those two fingers came up and he's waving him out onto the field. And I thought even George Chomp gets that look. Look at that. So um, but he just <laughs> he was so funny. And just some of the things that he did and how he how he reacted with people and um, just so well respected. I mean, he was a brilliant man. But he just would just treat people the right way, and I think that was the one thing that always mm. uh, that always stood out to me about Dave.
0: It's a wonderful lesson for for all leaders is about treating people the right way, and I, I think um, mm. I love the I love the tightrope, the tension you mentioned there of. And it is a t- it is a tension. It's it's about a both and it being leading with humor and also having the ability to have the difficult conversations, which I can really hear. Um, Dave uh, yeah. Dave had that in in spades as a leader. So um, thank you so much for sharing that. That's really that's really special, uh, John. Nice. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what I want to do is I want to ask you a handful of questions as we sort of wrap up um, leadership express questions. And uh, so let me jump into them. The first question I have for you, John, is um, what book have you gifted to other people? What's a a book that you've gifted to other people?
1: Well, um, I probably skew that a little bit because most of my gifts are usually to graduating seniors. So um, and the book that I like to give someone gave me when I graduated from college was Dr. Seuss' So the Places You'll Go. And, um, that's a pretty good book for that, that time in your life when you're, when you're yeah. leaving and ready to go off to different things. And, uh, so that's always, that's always a good one. Um, I'd say that's probably been the, the, the most one that I've given away to others.
0: Now that's a great recommendation. My, my wife, um, Liz and I, we just, uh, as of recording this now, we just, had uh, our first uh child a little boy two and a half weeks ago so yeah. um his name is really roman and yeah. um yeah thank you so i love that recommendation because i think i'm going to go and buy that book because i think that's um <laughs> that's a great story to read right like to a to a um great a little, a little great person.
1: look Great
0: book, yes. Oh, the places yeah. you'll go. Yeah, I love that. That's that's a wonderful mm-hmm. recommendation. Thank you. I think I've had that one before actually. I can't remember in what context, but I, I love it when I have a book come up multiple times because it just represents the fact that different people it's really had an influence on their life. So thank you for recommending that. Yeah. Um, what about right now, John? Are you in the middle of any great books? Are there any podcasts that you're loving? Are any any blogs or journals? They could be education specific or Uh, about anything anything you are really just enjoying reading listening to watching
1: well a lot of my um educational reading right now tends to be from different uh magazines that we get from our different associations um and i've been trying to well twitter social media can be a horrible thing believe me as a high school principal i can tell you that um but it can also be some good things. And so there's a lot of people on Twitter that I try to follow and um, kind of see what they're doing and read some of their journals and blog posts and stuff too. So there's a guy named George Chorus uh, from Canada. Um, there's a guy named Dr. Joe Sanfilippo from Wisconsin. Um, um, so those are two of the uh, kind of the big ones I kind of follow a little bit. Mostly though, if I'm reading, I'm reading. Um, things that aren't education-based, and I am a big, big uh, historical, I'm a, a old social studies teacher, so anything with history, I like, um, and so biographies are a big, uh, a big thing, too, that I like to read, so um, U.S. Grant book, I've kind of started that a little bit, so I'm trying to dive, through. I don't have a lot of time, a lot of times at night to, to read it, but I'm trying to Trudge my way through that. It's kind of a thick book, but uh, that's that's probably the one I'm reading right now. But I do try and uh, keep up with a lot of the education stuff um, Mm. through like some shorter journals and different things too.
0: Yeah, yeah, excellent. Uh, What's a recent leadership Mm. lesson you've learned for the first time or been reminded of?
1: Mm, I would say um, you get reminded of it often that this job can humble you a little bit and just when you think you have the answer and you and you and you know this is the way we want to go you find out that it didn't go that right and you have to change gears and uh, try something else so um, the fact is I don't have all the answers and I need some people around me to help out a little bit and so I'm trying to work on Mm. the master schedule now for next year and you know, I keep coming up with this idea. Okay, this should work here. And then we go talk to somebody. I'm like, no, well, no, I can't try it then. So it's it's a big puzzle you try to put together. But uh, hopefully we about got it licked here. But uh, so I'd say my biggest <laughs> thing is you need other people. You got to have others around you.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that. It's great advice. Um, do you have any favorite questions you ask? You're in a one-on-one interview with a new staff member. You're in a uh, with your with your team or your you're with a classroom of students any favorite questions you like to ask
1: well i think in an interview um, i always try to tell people that it's it's not your job to conform to us uh, it's kind of our job to conform to you so you know, I don't want you, I don't want a new teacher coming in and just doing everything that we do. I'm, if I hire somebody, I want, I want some ideas. I want to try some, some new things. And so I try to, to really focus on, okay, I, I, have told you about us. Here's what we have. What do you think about that? How can you, what, what are some things you could do? What What do you bring to the table that would make us better, make us a little different and to really try and focus from, uh, uh, from that end? Um, you know, by the time we've gotten pretty good about going through resumes and making phone calls. And, uh, you know, that's one thing about when you've done this for 16 years, I kind of know a lot of people in Ohio about, uh, who are in education and I can make a phone call (laughs) Usually, about three phone calls where I really find somebody who really knows this person. Um, so I can do all that background stuff, but what I really want to hear from that person is what, what can you bring to the table that would make us better? And, um, that surprises mm, like that. people sometimes, but you know, but it, uh, it. I think it's a really important question to ask.
0: Yeah, I like that, and I like that you're asking that from day one, from the interview, because you're you're creating mm-hmm. that expectation and giving that permission to say, we're, we're going to be asking you to to um to help us get better, um and right. and mm-hmm. we'll we'll help you get better as you as you do that. But no, I love that, John. That's great. Um, yeah. any great, uh, or what's a great piece of advice you've received? It might be, you've already mentioned one that, that, um, wonderful advice from Dave, anything else that comes yeah. to mind as a piece of advice around life, around leadership, that's really stuck with you and, and for some reason just pops into your head.
1: Um, I think the, the, the biggest thing I think I can think of is just don't, Don't be too serious. Just you got to have some fun. Um, You know, if you're not having fun every day, then you're really not living very well. I don't think so. um, (laughs) You got to take some time just to kind of get away a little bit and just, you know, do something a little different. For me, it's really simple. If if I find a day that I'm sitting at my desk for too long and unfortunately those Mm. days happen, I make myself walk out in, I walk into a classroom. I can walk up to a, out to a lunch table and sit down and talk to kids and and it Mm. doesn't take long before we're having a little fun and laughing and, you know, making a joke or something. So, um, I, you got to get out among people and just enjoy the people who are around you. And I think when you take yourself a little too serious, sometimes you kind of forget that there's just a lot of good people out there.
0: Yeah. That's, that's wonderful advice. Um, do you have any favorite quotes uh, that you sort of live by, or or just um it, it's it's a quote that you that you tend to bring out often, or or just it comes to mind regularly?
1: Yeah, there's one I even used it today. There's somebody too, and I, that's been it's been uh, uh, credited to a couple of people. But luck is when preparation meets opportunity, um, and you know everybody thinks, well, you got lucky. Well. I worked pretty hard to get in a situation where when the event happened it, I was ready to go. I mean, uh, so if you're preparing well, when that opportunity comes around, it looks like luck, but there's a, and don't get me wrong. Sometimes you're the benefit of a lot of, of good things that happen. But, uh, but a lot of times, you I said, luck is when preparation meets opportunity.
0: Yeah. I like that. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. That's a good one. Um, now this is this is not so serious in terms of movies or TV shows there might be something really profound that uh, or there might be something you just love as a you know for switching off or you find really funny um, any any movies or TV shows that are um, sort of favorites of yours
1: oh let's see I mean my favorite TV show right now I am not a huge TV watcher I watch sports and I watch a couple things during a week but it's a crazy show but forged in fire on the history channel where these people come in and they make weapons they make knives and swords uh in a timed (laughs) contest yeah i just think it's amazing what they can do they take this little piece of steel and they can make this beautiful uh thing out of it it's to me it's pretty amazing um i like to do some things work with my hands i'm not you know, not the greatest at it, but I, I keep trying and keep practicing a little bit, kind of puttered around the basement a little bit with some woodworking things. So that's a um, that's a show that I try and catch on Wednesday nights. Uh, uh, but other than that, there's not a lot of TV shows. Um, the, my probably all time favorite movie, I would say, is uh, and my, my wife would answer this for me. I know, too. The, the Shawshank Redemption because uh, it seems like yes. every time that's on TV, I, I stumble through it. And, I, and it, the, uh, so, the aside on that, that was actually most of that was filmed about 10 miles from here, uh, from Shelby. Ah. We have an old prison, in a place called Mansfield, right nearby. And I have been to that prison, taken the movie tour a couple times, and seen some of the props from the movie and stuff. It's pretty amazing uh, and see it. But that I just amazing. like the message of, of hope. yeah that's a great movie I just that message of hope I think is what uh I mean I can quote it I can give you all the. I mean I know I can take you around a little tour of the sites they were using the movie too if you want but uh, but that that's (laughs) probably the movie I like the best
0: yeah that's wonderful thank you uh great recommendation okay last question if you could only give one piece Mm -hmm. of leadership advice to a young leader what would you say
1: Oh, I would say only one, huh? <laughs> uh,
0: I would say again. I go
1: back. Yeah, I go back to, yeah. well, go back to um, you're going to depend on people to be successful, and so you better treat them the right way. Um, you can't. Leading mm. leadership is not in a vacuum. It is among other people, and and you just have to treat people the right way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a great, uh, great thought, great advice. Um, well, for people who have really enjoyed your um, your stories and and, um, and and some of the some of the wisdom you shared with us, John, where can people find you at LinkedIn or Twitter, and also uh, your school online if people are interested in just finding out more about what you do?
1: Well, let's see. Twitter, um, it's at John Geis One. Um, that's my Twitter. I'm not on. That's about it for social media. It's about all I have time <laughs> for. I think, anyways. Yeah, uh, that's I'll, right. Yeah. Our school. <laughs> um, our school website is www.shelbyk12.org, um, and uh, you know Shelby's a good place. Uh, it's been a it's been a great place for me and my family. Um, you know, my three kids got to uh, I got to sign their diploma as dad. You know, so it uh, it's pretty mm. neat that they were students of mine when I was principal. So, um, so it's been a good place, and it's it's been a good uh, it's been a good run so far. So, got a few more years yeah. left in him, you know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Today's been a really special episode uh, with John and and sharing um, some wonderful stories from his leadership, but also just some really special stories um, about uh, others around him and, and his mentor. And uh, for our listeners, don't forget, I also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day Podcast, where you can go to continue to invest in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying thank you to you John for being so generous with your time uh, for sharing so vulnerably and 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 really sharing some really beautiful uh, uh, moments with us um, as you talked about Dave but um, just uh, just wonderful leadership lessons about doing the right thing by people and um, and uh, just focusing on on how you treat people and focusing on on uh, not doing it on your own wonderful wonderful lessons for leaders in any role, in any country, in in any sector. So um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, John. It's been a joy.
1: Well, you're more than welcome. Thank you too.
0: And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited early access to our master classes, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join fifteen thousand other leaders. or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, how to deal with difficult people, even if you hate conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders